right, this morning we're going to be reading from the book of Matthew, so if you can find the Bible, they should be on the edges. Chapter 7. Can you turn those on? Okay, chapter 7, verse 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And to the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Dear God, I pray for Paul this morning. Um, would you give him the words that we need to hear, Lord, and that your spirit speak through him? And I pray for us, Lord, that you'll open our ears and our eyes to listen and to hear and to soften our hearts to what the word says. We pray this in your name. Amen. If, uh, if you know my family, I have uh, a little boy that I am in love with, and his name is Isaac Allen Vroom. We call him Bubba, Bubby, or Bubbito, and I love this little three-year-old boy. He is um, the most ornery, devilish little kid, He, but he is a lover. He is... Uh, He's the one who will go all day, all day, all day. And then all of a sudden he just, Daddy, come sit by me. And then he'll just nestle into you. And he is just my, you'll just want to shake him and then you just want to squeeze him. He's, he's the little boy that I just, I love to death. Well, there's something that Isaac loves to play. He loves to play hide and go seek. And he, uh, and some of it is just, he just loves to run. And he, he loves, I think he's an adrenaline junkie because his heart, if anything gets his heart going, he loves it. And so we, he'll say, Daddy, can we play hide-and-go-seek? And I say, sure, it's an easy thing for me. I'll grab a book and hide somewhere in the house. Good luck seeing if he can find me. And that's just, you know, he'll search, Daddy, where are you? So I'll go and hide somewhere. And this has happened uh, just a couple weeks ago where uh, he, he wanted to go play hide-and-seek, and Laura just goes, because oh. she knows when we play hide-and-go-seek, there's tension in the house. There's the, the noise level goes up, especially when he knows he's getting warmer to where Daddy is. Well, Isaac will start counting, and if you know how a, a three-year-old counts, and you say count to ten, you better run and find a spot quick. One, two, seven, and then it's all over. Here I come, because he forgets what's, what's next. And so I'm, up, I'm upstairs hiding in our closet, in our bedroom, in our master bedroom, and, uh, and I can hear him. I can hear him thump, 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 thump down to the basement and hear him call, and I'll just laugh. Closet lights on. I've got my book. And, uh, and then... All of a sudden, I'll hear the, he'll, he'll come back upstairs, hear the, 
uh, the deck door open. He goes, Dad, looking for me all over the place. Just He's just, where is he? And then he'll ask, Mom, do you know where Dad is? Oh, no. I can just see my wife going, Paul, just come out. And this is going to get long. And he just is all over the house, opening doors, shutting doors, opening doors, shutting doors, opening, looking, looking, looking. Till he gets, and he's methodical. He goes through every room, every closet, everywhere. He knows where it's hidden before. And then he gets this little giddy. <laughs> Daddy. Because he knows at any second, I'm jumping out. He opens that door and boom. And so he's going through. He looks under the bed like I'd ever fit under a bed. And, and he, he comes in. And I could just hear him. And he just got this giggle because he knows the last place. Checks a shower. Nope. No dad. Shower. And then he's outside the door of the closet. Dad? As a dad, you can't help but laugh. Um, And he kind of peeks open, you know, slowly opens the door, kind of giggling. And then you got to do the thing. And he just screams. And then he'll run into your arms and just laugh and giggle. And, of course, what does he want to do? Play again. Yeah. It's a whole afternoon of it. Well, this, this morning we're going to be looking at a, a section of Scripture where uh, Jesus is coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he is saying, listen, as my disciples, children who are part of my kingdom, there's a way that you live. If you're part of, uh, if you know what the prosperity gospel is, it's basically, listen, you ask, ask God for stuff, and God's going to give you all kinds of stuff. You just be faithful, and you ask. You go for the gusto. You need wealth, he'll give you wealth. Well, this is different. Jesus says, no, 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 no. He, he starts all the way back into Beatitudes and said, listen, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And it goes on through Jesus talking kind of this, uh, these are the kingdom ethics. This is how you should live in the kingdom. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. When when it comes to lust, don't even think wrongly. Because you're committing adultery in your heart. And Jesus just says, he, gives, he lays it all out and just says, listen, this is how you live as a, a disciple, a kingdom dweller. This is how you live in my kingdom. And at the end of this all, he says, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Throughout the scriptures, we see all the time that we are told that we need to be seeking after God. In in Lamentations 3.25, it says, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him, who, who is searching after God. Now, I want to put this out there first. This is not like what Isaac and I do. 
It's not a hide and seek. Where is God today? God is the same yesterday as He is today, as He tomorrow. God always faithful throughout all time. God is the same. God never moves. So the question is, how do we seek? How do we ask? How do we knock? What are we asking for? What are we seeking after? What are we knocking on? We're told that we need to be seeking after the Lord. And if you, you're around long enough, you know why we need to be seeking. We need to be asking. Because throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus just bombards us with uncompromising demands. Just uncompromising. And a very self-aware reader, a very self-aware a disciple knows that he cannot fulfill any or all these demands. He says he forbids anger, he forbids lust, he commands that we keep our word. Covenant members, you keep your word. Followers after Christ, you keep your word at all times, not just showing up to church, in all things. He says that you need to give freely to those who who ask and need to borrow and that we don't lord it over them. He, he, he prohibits worry and forbids boasting. And then in, in Matthew 5.48, he says, Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So the demands are great. Huge. Be perfect. He demands that we are perfect. What? Come on. That is absolutely insane. Perfection? Do you know my wife? Come on. Do you know my kids? Do you know my work situation? How do you expect me to be perfect? How How do you expect me not to get angry? Not to do these things? Come on. You know, I'm human after all. Therefore, Jesus ends this section and says, listen, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. So what are we asking and seeking for? What are we chasing after in this world? If you know the parable of the hidden treasure, there's this beautiful parable of Jesus talks about a man who's walking through a field. And he stumbles onto something in a field. And he opens it. And it is what? A treasure that is worth more than anything else. Anything he's ever seen. He's going through, oh my word, look at all this. Look at, this is amazing. And so what does he do? He shuts it. He buries it. He goes into town. He grabs 
everything he has, and he sells it and says, listen, I, I need is I'm literally liquidating. I'm selling everything. Everything is gone. It's, I'm done with it. What, 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 what can I get for that? And then he goes to the landowner with his whatever he has, and he says, listen, I want to buy that piece of land. And the landowner is going, are you serious? It has not produced a crop at all. And you want to buy it? Yeah. I want to buy that piece of land. He sells it for everything. It's a picture of the gospel. Of tremendous value. Seeking after Christ with all that we have and all that we are and all that we know. We pursue after Christ in all that He has to offer. Because we know that it is more beautiful, more powerful, more pleasing, more hope-giving, more life-giving than anything else in the world. You would give anything in the world for Christ. That's why constantly we hear in the Gospels, take up your cross and follow Him. Throughout the Gospels, throughout the the Epistles, throughout the New Testament, there is this, this constant theme of what? Death. Dying to yourself so that you may do what? Gain Christ. I want, Paul talks about, I want less of me and more of you. So in this context, after Jesus says, listen, this is what it means to be a disciple, to live into my kingdom. How to have a God-honoring marriage. How to have God-honoring relationships. How to live and work and breathe within my kingdom. He says, listen, I have laid it all out and it is impossible, impossible for any of you, even if you have that type of personality where you checklist everything. Oh, done this for the day. Done this for the day. Done this for the day. Oh, done my Bible reading. Sent my kids to Christian school. I've done this. And you've done all your checklists. God goes, yeah. But I saw how you looked at woman as she walked by. Failed. Be perfect. I am perfect. Jesus comes to the end and says, I know. I know that every day you are going to fail. There's a hymn. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's all of our stories. And Jesus says, listen, what you need to do is ask. You need to seek. And you need to knock. Ask. It's usually a general term for asking for anything. Asking, in this context, asking in prayer. God, you know me. You know my heart. You know my situation. You know my, my junk. You know my, how I struggle with the flesh. You know how I, I deal with money and greed and pride and all those kinds of things that we struggle with. Self-worth, this and that. Yeah, you know. And God, I am asking you. Lord, would you 
Would you remind me of the gospel? Would you help me in my flesh putting to death that stuff? God, I, I need you. And seeking after him. If, if you seek, you will find it. How do, how do we look? When we, when we seek after God, we will find him. And we will discover what we should truly desire. What we should truly be desiring is him. Seeking after him. And where do we find him? I'll tell you the best place. He has given us a gift in Scripture. These are His words breathed out. These are the very words of God for us. And in these pages, from Genesis to Revelation, we see a God who is pursuing His people. Who is constantly providing a way. Who is constantly saying throughout the prophets, if you repent and turn back to Me, I'll be your God. And you'll be My people. Seek after Me. Search for Me. It even talks about for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For we will be satisfied. When we seek after Christ, His kingdom, His will, His way in our life, oh, we will be more deeply satisfied than anything that the world can have to offer us. More than your teaching job. more than the home that you live in, the relationships that you have, your deepest joy is found in Him. And when there's those obstacles, when things seem inaccessible, and we've tried and we've failed to attain something, and we can't open it, the only one who can break in and break those chains that hold us down is God. And He'll open that door. He'll provide a way. And we're reassured of this as if we look at verses 9 through 11. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? How many of you as parents would just say, you know, the kid comes up, asks for a Pop-Tart? And you say, listen, i got something better for you. Here's some gravel. Chew on this. You're saying, no, you know what? I love you. Which of you would say that? That's, that's like abnormal. That's, that's just abusive. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, and in this, this, this section right there, if you then who are sinful, fallen, and broken, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father 
who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask. If you do normally good things to your children, you know, you provide them uh, shelter, you provide them food, you provide them an education, which, you know, everybody would probably agree that those are good things to give your kids. If you would do those things for your children, how much more would your Father in heaven, who is perfect, give you good gifts? Now let me talk about this good gifts section. Bubba, if it's up to him, he would dine out of our treat drawer. He has a sweet tooth. This little boy would eat Starburst and Skittles and you name it. He, he will just munch on those things. Fruit roll-ups all day. Non-stop. This little boy would just eat, 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 and eat. We would pay the, the price later. But this little, he would just, and as a father, you know, you want your children to be happy, to be well taken care for. But is that the good thing that my little boy needs? Absolutely not. In fact, some of the good things that my little boy needs is discipline. And if you're a father or a mother, you're going, amen. My kid needs discipline. And you know what? That is a good gift to them, to their school teacher, to the world. And it's not saying here that, you know what, God will give you every good gift, whatever that you need. Man, whatever that you want, God, God is just going to, you know what, he, He's your vending machine God. You put this in, you ask, and you're going to receive it, and you go, oh, thanks, God. That's just what I needed. Because that's going to only lead to what? Frustration and bitterness towards God. That's not the kind of God that we love and worship. He knows like a father, a perfect father who says, you know what, this is best for you. You might not understand this right now, but this is the good and perfect gift that you need. You might not get it while you're eating bran and vegetables when you would much rather have Skittles and Starbursts. But for the sake of your heart, your soul, your life, this is the good gift. So parents and future parents, I want you to hear this too. This is a picture of God, the perfect Father, and how He gives good and perfect gifts to His children. This is also a model of how we should be parenting. And fathers, I'm going to speak directly to you. Because the Father picture image is given here. How we live out and give our children good and perfect gifts points them to who? Their Father who is in heaven. How you discipline or don't discipline will affect your children. If you are the type of parent and family who gives your children everything, willy-nilly, and you know what? They ultimately run the home. 
you are giving them a terrible image of how the kingdom works. If your child, as a junior high or even younger or older, I don't care, comes and says, Dad, I know this is right, and this is the way that it should be. You know, this, 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 this. And they become the spiritual dictators in your home or the, the relational dictators in the home. Are you teaching them how to submit to their Father who is in heaven? By teaching them to submit to you. Are you signing them up for absolutely every activity possible? Every soccer game, every baseball game, every football game, every cheerleading game, every, every school activity, before and after, during kind of activity. Is, is that really the best thing to do? And does it really ultimately point your children to the Father in heaven? Or is it just filling their lives with Skittles and Starbursts? Are you truly discipling your children? Really? Discipling your children. If I did a poll right now, and if we'd really be honest, we'd probably all be failing, huh? Or we have failed. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus, even for you, for me, says, Paul, ask. Ask for forgiveness for those times that you have failed. Repent. And you know what? You know what's going to happen? You'll receive it. Seek after what is God's good and perfect will for my children. Seek after that in prayer, in meditation over Scripture. Seek after it. Look for it. Knock it on every door of Scripture and say, Lord, where is it? Teach me how to best love and disciple my children. Lord, show me. And what will He do? Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask for for a wisdom that comes from God. If, if we look in Scripture, you're going to see in, uh, in James chapter 1-5, if any of you last, act, lacks wisdom, what do you do? Let him ask God. What will God do? He will give you generously. He'll give you generously the wisdom that you so badly need as a parent, as a student, as a child. asking and say, God, I need you. I need you more than anything. I need you. And ultimately, what is the best gift that God has ever given us? I'm Sunday school answer. Jesus the best gift that we could ever receive. And so what is the best thing that you could present to your child time and time 
and time and time and time and time and time again. Jesus, with every opportunity, here's Jesus. Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then he goes on and finishes it with this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them on the, as a sign on your hand, and on, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Moses says, listen, teach your children about the glory of God. Teach them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with everything you have. Teach them. Because He is the treasure worth having. He's it. And then we end. We end in with what's called the, the golden rule. Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is at the end of his description of those who would live in his kingdom. He's come to the end. This is his, his final wrap it up. This is the bookend and just says, when it, when it comes to how you should live, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember how to, how to live and interact with other people. And we see Jesus doing this in Matthew chapter 22 when he was asked by one of the teachers of the law, what, what is the most important law? What's the most important command that has been given by God through Moses? And Jesus said, it's this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and all the prophets. So how do we live? Loving God with all that we have, seeking after Him. And that's not where it ends. That we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And this is a healthy love for ourselves because we recognize where our identity is found. We recognize who loves us and has given us worth. Has given us hope. And as much as our love swells because our self-worth swells because we understand that we are children of the King. Hopefully that love doesn't give us a pig-headed view of ourselves, But it flows out in service that we love 
our neighbors as ourselves. That we do unto others as we would have them do to us. And here's the thing. All of us, all of us, myself included, can explain minutely and ingeniously what ought to be done to us and for us. We, we, we're all... Watch my kids. They're entitled. This is what... Daddy, this is what she did to me. This is what she did to me. So I need to... That's why I kicked her. That's why I took it. This is what I need. This is what I need to have. And we can all explain what we're entitled to, aren't we? In every relationship. In every circumstance. We can explain it down to the last detail. I've been so deeply hurt by this person. And this is what I'm entitled to. I can't let go of that because you know what? If I let go of that, that means I lose all power. And Jesus says, whoa. That's not how it works in my kingdom. In fact, we ought to apply this, that same kind of skill and wisdom to the needs of others. Pat hurts me in a conversation. What do I do? I treat her as I have been treated by God. And I offer grace and mercy and love. I walk with her tenderly. Together we correct the course and so that we are in line with the gospel. The same with Andy. If I do something to Andy, what does he do? He comes to me and says, Paul, as a brother in Christ, I love you. But you know what? That is not in step with the gospel. But because of the grace that's been given to me, I'm going to offer it to you. I'm not going to assume the worst in you. Because I'm going to remember that I also, like Paul, who's the worst of sinners. But I've been given much grace in my life. So I'm going to offer that to you. We all fail. All of us. We all fail. But we need to go back to the first word. Verse 7. Ask. Ask for His grace. Ask for His forgiveness. Lord, I need more of Your presence today than I did yesterday. For some of you, maybe it's, Lord, I need Your presence for the first time. You have been knocking on my door of my heart and I've been resisting you. I've been pushing you back. It doesn't seem right. This is my custom. This is my tradition. I need, I need some space. But God barrages our hearts. He storms the castle of the walls that we have built and just says, listen, I've got the best gift for you. It's my son. And there's no, you, you can do all kinds of good morality, all that kind of stuff. In the day, you're still going to fall short. You're still going to fall short. 
And you can't be in my presence because I'm a holy God and I cannot have any sin before me. So I am giving you the best gift. The best gift, and that is my son, who paid the price for you so you could stand before me and enjoy life and life to its fullest. And so maybe the going back to verse 7 and asking is saying, Lord, I am submitting my life to your rule and to your reign. I release my hands from the reins of my life and I'm giving them to you. Because you give me every good and perfect gift. Submitting His perfect rule and reign. All of us have to ask. There are different questions. We're going to be doing communion in just a little bit. And this is a a meal that is reserved for those who believe deeply And know personally that Jesus Christ has died for their sins and has forgiven them. And they've also confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He rules and He reigns. Scripture says that we need to examine ourselves. We need to check our lives. Ask for His forgiveness. So this meal is open to you if you believe in your heart and you've confessed in your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're not there yet, I just invite you to sit back. Watch what's going on. That's the kind of family we are. There's no judgment here. I also want to let you know that I am available. Katie will be available in the back. If you need somebody during this communion time or after communion time to pray with, to ask questions, this is a community where you can do that. We're not going to do any weird hokey pokey kind of stuff where you're going to get freaked out. We just want to have a conversation with you before our great God. Anything. We want to pray for with you. We want to pray for you in the small and the big things. But before we do communion, let's pray. God, I thank you that you are our Father in heaven and that you know what is best for your children. God, I thank you that you have provided a way for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Through him and his body and his blood providing a way 
just as the, the sacrificial lamb was slain for all of Israel. For his blood was shed. God, I thank you that you've provided your son, the pure and spotless lamb, for us. God, I pray for my brother or sister who is still struggling with who you are. I pray that your spirit would work powerfully in his or her life in such a way that your grace is irresistible. That your love is intoxicating. That your hope is real. And your forgiveness is experienced. God, that's a prayer for all of us. So as you meet us at this table, Lord, would your presence be rich and reminding but real. As we commune with you, remembering the gospel. Thank you for your grace, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name.